Good morning. We're so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today. Let's go to God in prayer as we open up his word. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together as a family, a church family, to worship you, to hear from your word, to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ, and to be encouraged in our walk with you. And God, as we open up the word, and as we read about the first church in Acts chapter 2, and as we critique and think about ourselves as a local body, uh, that you would work in the life of this church. God, I pray that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged, that you would convict us by your spirit where we need to be convicted. But God, we want to be a church that shines the light of the gospel in this community and in this world. And so God, help us to be collectively as one thinking together about this first church and pray that you would help us, God, to be what you have designed us to be. God, we love you. We love you. We thank you. We worship you this morning. It's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen. My name is Matt Watson, and I'm the lead pastor. And we are grateful that you can be here. Um, We know there's a lot of sickness going around. There's a lot of sickness going around. Hopefully your family is feeling okay. I've been asking, does it feel like there's more sickness this year than previous years? What do you think? Yeah, maybe not. Just, okay, well... Wasn't that helpful, but uh, I feel like there is. So we're hanging on, and um, we're going to finish up our Devoted Church series this morning. And then, believe it or not, next Sunday, we start our journey to, to the resurrection. And to, we'll be starting Lent next Sunday. I mean, can you believe it that we're going to turn our attention and focus to the cross and to the resurrection Starting next week, which is great, because that means spring is coming. Um, We'll take a week. um, The first Sunday of March will be our missions conference Sunday. And so we'll have the director of mobilization from ABWE, which is here local. He'll be here teaching our classes in the morning. He'll be teaching, preaching our sermon, and that'll be on March 1st. But we're excited for where we're going Um, But this morning, we want to kind of wrap up this series on the devoted church. And I've said it every week. um, I want us to be the church that God wants us to be. I want to do and I want to focus on what God wants us to focus on. I want to spend our money on what God wants us to spend our money on. I want to spend our time doing what God wants us to spend our time with. Because here's what I know, that when the church is what God has intended it to be, that the gospel is proclaimed and lives are changed by the gospel. That when we do what we're supposed to do, people come to know Jesus Christ. And that's why we do this. That's why we gather and worship and give, because we want to worship and honor God, but we also want to proclaim the message of the gospel to this community. And and the pattern in the book of Acts, it's pretty clear that when the church does what it's supposed to do, 
People see it. They feel the service. They hear the worship. They hear the teaching. And they come to know Jesus Christ. And so my hope and my prayer has been that this would be a helpful process for us to just evaluate what are we doing. And we've been using the text in Acts 2, and we'll read the whole text again this morning, kind of just as a reminder of what we've discussed, and then we'll focus in on verses 46 and 47. Let's read our text this morning together. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul... And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. As a church passionately pursuing Christ, this is what we are passionately pursuing. Devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God. Devoted and committed to fellowship, which we talked was relationships. That we're going to care for one another, that we're going to know one another. Devoted to communion, to the ordinances of the church, but not just communion, remembering what Christ has done for us here corporately, but to the breaking of bread in homes, that idea of real relationships, to prayer, to generosity. We talked about last week, sharing for those who have needs, both in this church and in this community, and that we do that as a church together corporately, but as an individual that makes up this church that we are to evaluate and to consider how are we generous? How are we devoted to God's word? Because if if we're not devoted to these things individually, then we we won't be committed to them corporately. And so this morning we look at verses 46 and 47, and I just wanna kind of focus in on a few words that stood out to me, and I want to study, like we've been doing, how did it look like, how, what did it look like for this church in Acts? But then kind of the bigger question for us is, how does it translate to us? Because like we said last week, it does it, it's not a one-to-one application. We look very differently than these house churches in the book of Acts. But how can we take the concepts of verse 46 and 47, how can we as a local church today be the church that God wants us to be? And so the words that we want to focus on in 46 and 47, day by day, together, in praising God. I really want to focus on the commitment, the commitment of this first church. I want to focus on what was the first church doing. And so really kind of the two kind of big ideas was the consistency by which the first church met, okay, how often they met, and then also what were they doing when they met. So the consistency, how often, what did their meetings look like on a weekly basis? But then kind of bigger than that, when they met daily, day by day, what were they doing? Because again, if we're going to be the devoted church like this church was devoted, we've got to look at and say, what what are we supposed to be doing? 
So kind of the statement that I'll use to kind of break down for our time this morning is this. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. The first church was consistent and committed. And often, in many places, when they did meet, they worshiped and they praised God. They were consistent and they were committed. And when they met together, they came together, they worshiped God. So let's kind of step back into the book of Acts and just think about and look at what this first church really looked like when it comes to how they were meeting. Okay, what was their weekly schedule of worship? Well, we do know that when this first church started, it was a Jewish church. That's what it was. It was a a group of people who were Jewish, who were starting to understand that this Jesus was the answer from the Old Testament. And so this first 30, 40, 50, 60 years before the temple was destroyed, it looked like a Jewish worship service. And with this Jewish worship, this first group of believers met three times every single day. They would come to the temple for the reading of the scriptures, for prayer at 9 a.m. and noon and 3 p.m. And and together with all the Jewish people, they would come to the temple and they would worship consistently every single day. But things, like we've been saying, have started to change, right? With the teachings of Christ, with what was happening in their with their circumstances, the way that they worship started to change. And even as you trace kind of the the rhythm of their meeting through the book of Acts, things did start to change. So for example, in Acts 20, it's the emphasis in verse 7 is that they focused on meeting on the first day of the week. That they gathered together for kind of this special focused time of, of worship and the reading of the word. And then once in AD 70, when the temple was destroyed, everything started to change with how they worshiped, where they worshiped, and when they worshiped. It wasn't day by day, three times a day, every single day. But you have this shift to this emphasis of the first day of the week. And I think kind of just in summary from looking at the consistency that the first church met, I think less than about, less than um, how often they met, I think it's a pretty good description to say they were committed to one another. I mean, these people loved each other. They were committed to one another. They couldn't spend enough time with one another. I mean, the picture in Acts is they weren't just meeting corporately for worship at the temple, They were in each other's homes. They were sharing meals and sharing things that they had. The picture of the commitment of this first church is they loved each other and they were together all the time. They were consistent and they were committed. But what did they do when they met? So they met formally, they met informally, but what did they do? And I think verse 47 gives us a little bit of a picture of what they were doing. They were praising God. So we've already talked about the the scriptures, and we've talked about prayer, and we talked about fellowship and generosity. 
But what else were they doing when they were together? The text tells us they were praising God. They were worshiping out loud, proclaiming the greatness of God. And just it's interesting to kind of think of how we worship on a Sunday morning and to just think about what the worship for this first church would have looked like. I mean, it is different. And I think it's healthy for us to say, to ask the question, is our focus and emphasis on worship, which we do every single Sunday, is it in line with the focus of the first church? Because we don't see this kind of worship in in Acts, do we? So I think it's healthy for us to say, okay, well, where did this worship come from? Where was it in the first church, and, and why do we do it? So just tracing some of the history of worship and music and praising God, it's not a hard concept to find in the scriptures. It's a very normal thing for, for the writers of, of God's word to um, encourage his people to, ex, to exclaim his goodness in song. The, the Old Testament is filled with references of worship. Psalm 145, every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Psalm 148, 13, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. And I could go on and on with scripture references. The picture of the people coming together and vocally singing the praises of God was a very normal thing for his people when they gathered. The New Testament, you see it. You have the songs that were written, these hymns that were written as they interacted with Christ. Mary and Zechariah. Paul tells the churches in Ephesians and in Corinth, he says, sing to one another in spiritual songs, in hymns. Sing to one another. That would be fun to do, wouldn't it? To sing to each other as we greet each other. No, that would be weird, probably. Verse 19 of Ephesians 5, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, which we've talked about. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. How do we do this? It's not just the preaching of God's word. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Revelation, song after song of what the future is going to look like where we come together as one nation one people, one big family under God, and we are singing forever. Worthy, 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 holy, holy, holy. It's not hard to trace this theme of praise and worship through the scriptures. But how did the first church worship? I mean, that's the that's the question. Like, how did they worship? They were meeting in homes, they were meeting every single day. How were they worshiping? And just, we, we don't have a lot of content or description on how they worshiped. Acts 13, we have this church in Antioch that was worshiping and fasting. We know Paul and Silas in Acts 16. 
When they were in prison, what were they doing? Late into the night, they were singing hymns. So we have a picture of of worship and of song, but we don't have a super detailed picture of how they were doing it. So if you go back through the the first 1,000 years of the church, it is fascinating, or at least it's fascinating to me to see the development of worship. And I won't stay here too long, but there is precedent for worship in the first 1,000 years of the church, though it looks very, very different. You've got church fathers, those first 300 years, who described the meetings of the church as saying it was one of worship. Pliny reported that the Christians were gathering together at dawn to sing a hymn to Christ as God. But like we talked about last week, okay, when it became when Christianity became legal with Constantine, remember I said that that was a great, that sounds like a great thing, that no longer was it illegal and were they hiding to do it, but now it was legal. But actually things got really difficult at this moment. Well, things with worship as with everything else, the, the reading of God's word also got difficult. And so worship in the 300s started to change. The control of the bishop, the head of the church, the pope, started to change how the church worshiped. And just like we said that they changed the book, they controlled the book, the translation of, of God's word with Latin, that so they also controlled the way that we worshiped. And so they started to make significant changes in worship. So for example, in the late 300s, they came together at one of the councils and said, we're no longer going to be using instruments. It's been used in the Old Testament. It's, been, it's a common way to sing praise and worship to God, but no longer will we use instruments because of theater and different things in our culture and to separate from our culture that we're, we're not going to look like our, our community. Not only that, was in that council, they decided that they were only going to have professional singers. Only the leaders were going to sing, and they started to change how they were singing. They started use of Gregorian chant. So get rid of all the music, get rid of all the artistic license, and let's stick with Gregorian chant. I'm going to demonstrate that for you here. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. They took the way that they started to control the way that the church was worshiping. Control, that's the word. Control. We will control the words that are sung. Latin. One consistent tone. And we will control the book, the teaching of the word. And you will worship the way that we are, we are determining it. And so it goes from kind of active worshipers of the little house church coming together and singing praises to God to passive worship. And then you know who comes in line, who comes on the scene. I said last week was my last reference. Oopsie. Martin Luther, with the Reformation and with the changes that he was making to salvation by faith through grace alone, through the authority of the church, he also made an emphasis on music and worship. And he's basically saying, he comes out and says, Gregorian chant is mystical, it's confusing, and it doesn't help anyone worship Christ. 
And so with these changes that Martin Luther and others start to bring to say, music is a way that we can learn and know truth and worship and praise God. And so from then on, the, the way that worship changed was pretty astronomical and it gets to the point where we are today. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. The church historically has worshiped. Historically, part of coming together wasn't just studying truth, but it was expressing truth, learning truth through a different means through song and worship. And that's why BJ cares about lyrics and their team cares about the the music that we're singing. But it's another way for us to learn the truth of God and to praise and to worship him. And so for us, as we kind of turn, kind of take these two ideas about how often the first church was meeting and what they were doing when they were meeting, I think two questions that I want to ask us as we seek to be this devoted church. Okay, are you with me? Two things. So they met every single day. They did all these things and they worshiped God. But for us, what does it mean for us? Two questions that I want to ask Are we consistent and committed like the first church? And then what is praise and what does it do? Okay, two questions. Are we consistent and committed like the first church? Okay, just just let's think about this for a minute. Okay, because that was kind of the general summary of my study of the first church. They were committed to being with one another. And so as I was thinking about us, are we committed to each other? Is our culture committed to being at church? Is our community committed to being part of a church body? Well, statistically, no. Statistically, church attendance and church commitment has declined in the last decade. So something's happening where, where the, the Christian culture is not as committed to attending the church like it once has been. Some of the statistics from this study about church attendance found that these were the reasons why Christian American people aren't going to church. 37% said, I practice my faith in other ways. 23% say, I don't go to church because I haven't found a church I like. says, I don't like the sermons. That hurts my feelings. (laughs) I practice my faith in other ways. I haven't found a church I like. One of the other ones, 12%, I don't have time. And so there's this decline in church commitment or attendance. And then that same study said two of the three that do regularly attend church, they go for their kids They go for personal comfort or to become a better person. I mean, there's a lot going on here with this study. But here's kind of the saying that I've heard, it seems like, more recently. It's this saying, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. I love Christ. I love his word. But I am not about to step foot in a church. And this is commonplace. Typically, someone's had a bad experience with church. Like, I love Jesus, I love the word, but the church has hurt me. 
I don't agree with how the church has handled this particular situation. Sometimes it's just more deeply sinful than that. I don't want to be under anyone else's authority. I want to worship God in my own way. So how, as I just kind of think about this, because this, that kind of mindset is the opposite of what the first church was. Committed and consistent, meeting together, all these different people together. It's opposite from this this understanding of our need for church. And for me, as I think about the person who says, I love Jesus, but not the church, my question for them is, how can you follow Jesus's command for the local church outside of being in the local church? Like, how can you follow the Jesus you say you love if you're not a part of the local church that Jesus loves? How are you going to break bread through communion if you're not going to church? How are you worshiping corporately if you're not going to church? How are you being encouraged by both the younger and the older if you're not going to church? How are you practicing supporting the worldwide spread of the gospel if you're not part of the church? How are you loving one another, your brothers and sisters, if you're not going to church? Like the church is designed for us to follow Jesus in the ways that he's told us to live as the church. And it is through our love for one another that the world sees him. How can we showcase the love of Christ outside of this building here with these people here? Well, I'll just love my neighbors. I can love my friends and my family. That is so limited. It's so limited. We don't determine the appropriate way to live out our love for Jesus. We don't, it's not up to you. I mean, maybe we wish it could be, or we love Jesus and we live out our love for Jesus through the ways that he has told us to love him. And that is through being a part of the church. That's how I love my wife. I don't, I don't go to my wife and say, I will love you in a way that is selfishly beneficial for me. It's, what does she love? Like last night, we went out for Valentine's Day. And it wasn't, I want to show you my love for you, Ashley, by doing exactly what I want to do. College basketball, <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings, and a movie night. You know, whatever. No, it's, I want to show my love for Ashley by doing what she wants to do. So we went shoe shopping It was fine. It was great because I love my wife. And so it's not about what I want to do if I love her. It's the same thing with living out our love for Jesus. What does he tell us to do? It's clear that he wants us to be members together of the local church. The picture of one body. I love this picture of the church. That we are all different And we all come together in a room like this, different preferences, different gifts, different ages, different backgrounds. And the way that Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians is that we're a body and we're all so different, but we come together for one purpose. And that though we all are weird in our own little ways and we we may not connect with everyone naturally all the time, that under kind of this umbrella of the church of Jesus Christ, we come together as one body different to worship him. 
And so you need to be committed to a local church. But here's what I want to say also about this. And I need to start moving here. I don't, I don't, I haven't found that way of thinking as prevalent as I found this next way of thinking. So I love Jesus, but not the church. No, I actually have experienced here in the last year and a half more of not I love Jesus, but I don't love the church, but instead more I love Jesus and the church is fine. That, that's the more, that's what I've run into more here, that the church is a great option if it fits into our schedule. Like, I love Jesus, and the church is fine. As long as I don't have anything else more important going on, then we'll figure out the church. Like, we'll go to church. And again, this, it's the same question for us. Are we consistent, and are we committed like the first church? And, and so, just a few things. I know this is kind of like stepping on toes, but at least you're in church this morning. Just thinking about the way we value church and prioritize church, a few things that I want to look at. First is this. Commitment to church is less about attendance and more about involvement. We don't want to be legalistic, right? We don't want to say every single time the church's doors are open, if you want to be like the first church, you have to show up and be there. Because you can be here and not be committed. You can be here. You can sit in the seat and you can walk out and be committed to nothing and to no one. And then on the flip side, the other side, you can miss church and still be committed. You can have other things that you have to do but still be a part of this body. I think of how Jesus talked to the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, he talks about how they came to the synagogue and they sat in Moses' seat. I, I picture Moses' seat like the front row. Like they were at church. They weren't just at church. They were on the front row. I talk about, that's awesome. I don't think I've ever seen anybody sit all the way up here. Hey, back row people. Right up here. Like they were sitting on the front row every single time the temple doors they opened, they were there. And Jesus says, I don't care. So it's not just attendance. Are you committed? Are you known? Are you in relationship? Are you doing the things that we've discussed this series? Secondly, we need to realize that our we need to realize our need for church like the first church realized their need for church. We've talked about this some, but one of the reasons the church met every single day, informally, informally, was because they needed to. Right before Constantine came and made it um, legal to be a Christian, things were really, really bad for Christians. It's called the Great Persecution. And those 30 to 40 years before Constantine, it was ugly. Private property being taken, Christians being killed. And so this, this mindset of the first church was, we will recant and we will run from Jesus publicly if we are caught, if we aren't constantly meeting together. We need to be with one another to have daily encouragement so we don't do or say something that we will regret because things were hard. And so they needed to be with each other. They needed the encouragement or else they would do something that they would regret. 
I think of Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. I'll, I'll read it quickly here. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We will meet together regularly. We will not neglect being with one another, because if we do, we will not hold fast to the hope without wavering. If we don't meet with each other, that we will become stagnant. He says, the writer of Hebrews says, we meet together so that we can be stirred up for good works. He's saying we need to meet with each other or else we will waver. The day is coming. He said, the day is approaching. He's talking about the end times. He's talking about when things are gonna get really hard. And he's saying, because things are getting hard, we have to commit to being with one another. And then just lastly on this point here, church should be more highly valued and more highly invested in than we see among Christians today. We should more highly value our time on Sundays. We should need to be together like the first church. Now it's different, but we should have a higher value on being committed, connected as a church. We've got sports. We've got family. Yeah, that's right. Family getaways. Good things, not bad things. Good things. And I'm, gonna, I'm just encouraging you to ask the question, are we committed like the first church? Are we valuing gathering together like the first church did? What are we teaching our families? What are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching ourselves about attending this body to showcase the love of Jesus in this community. Someone recently asked us about church membership. Why do we do church membership? Where is church membership in the Bible? Well, it's not in the Bible. Okay, but what church membership is, it's this concept of we are members of one body together. We are committed to one another. And membership is a way of us saying we will commit to being a part of this body. And so that's why we have church membership. That's why we have the class. And that's why you go through, you meet with an elder and you write your testimony because we believe that being a member together is important and making a commitment to this church is important. I'm debating on what to do. I think we'll close our time now in worship. We'll talk more about this last section next week about worship and praise and why is it important and why do we do it? But I think I'll save it for next week. And I just, I wanna close with just for you to self-reflect as a family, as an individual, am I committed to church? Because it is the means by which God has determined through Jesus Christ to showcase his plan to the world. And if we're not committed to one another, if we're, not, if we're not consistently being a part of this body, what is the message that we're sharing to our community? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would 
Work in our hearts, work in our lives. God, we want to be consistent. We want to be committed. We want to love you in the means which you tell us to love you. And I pray that you would help us to view um, our relationships here like family. That this isn't just another social opportunity that can quickly be filled with something else, but God, that this is to be highly regarded, sacred, our time with each other. And in a culture of not being committed, God, I pray that we would shine differently, that our love and commitment for one another would speak loudly, loudly of your love and commitment to us. And so God, maybe there's a family here who's just kind of been in and out here at the church and maybe the the work that you're doing by your spirit is um, encouraging them to be a part of this church full time here as a family member. God, I pray that you would work in that way. Maybe there's someone in here who has been burned by the church. God, I pray that their past um, dealings with the church wouldn't negatively affect them obeying you today. So God, we pray that you would work, that we would continue to grow in our commitment and consistency with one another because we want to be faithful and we want to obey you the way that you've told us. God, now as we sing worship, hear our song, hear our praise, it's response um, for who you are, for what you've done for us. It's in your name we pray, amen.